To start the music, here are the St Michael singers and a hymn about the visit of the three wise men. As with gladness men of old did the guiding star behold. This is Epiphany Sunday, the Sunday when some churches focus particularly on the visit of the three wise men. And there we heard, appropriately enough, the St Michael singers with, as with gladness, men of old did the guiding star behold. Now, let's see what David has for us. Since this is the season of Epiphany, Ginny Wilkie reads for us T.S. Eliot's poem about the wise men. The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot A cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of the year for a journey, and such a long journey. The ways deep, and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. And the camels, galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melted snow, there were times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camel men, cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women, and the night fires going out and the lack of shelters, and the cities hostile, and the towns unfriendly, and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all folly. Then, at dawn, we came down to a temperate valley, wet below the snow line, smelling of vegetation with a running stream and a water mill beating the darkness 
and three trees on the low sky. And an old white horse galloped away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel. Six hands at an open door dicing for pieces of silver and feet kicking the empty wineskins. But there was no information and so we continued and arrived at evening. Not a moment too soon. Finding the place. It was, you may say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember. And I would do it again. But set down. This set down. This. We were led all that way for birth. Or death. There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence, and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but I thought that they were very different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us. Like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. And Jenny Wilkie was reading The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. Here's a song now for the turn of the year. It's Lord for the Years.
And that song was written by Timothy Dudley Smith with music by Michael Bond. In that time, both bishops in the Church of England. Now, over to David to tell us what Malcolm Guite has for us this morning. Malcolm Guite has written a poem for the New Year called New Year Bells. He follows it with a poem by Thomas Hardy about the thrush in winter. Here's a sonnet I composed for the ringing of church bells to bring in the new year. It's part of my uh, longer sequence, Sounding the Seasons. New Year's Day, church bells. Not the bleak speak of mobile messages, the soft chime of synthesised reminders, not texts, not pages, data packages, not sat-nav or locators ever find us as surely, soundly, deeply as these bells that sound and find and call us all at once. Ears of my ears can hear. My body feels this call to prayer that is itself a dance. So ring them out in joy and jubilation. Sound them in sorrow, tolling for the lost. Oh, let them wake the church and rouse the nation. A sleeping lion stirred to life at last. Begin again, they sing again, begin. A ring and rhythm answered from within. The poem I have chosen for the 31st of December in my Advent anthology, Waiting on the Word, published by Canterbury Press, is The Darkling Thrush by Thomas Hardy. The Darkling Thrush. I leant upon a coppice gate when frost was spectre grey, and winter's dregs made desolate the weakening eye of day. The tangled bind-stems scored the sky like strings of broken lyres, and all mankind that haunted nigh had sought their household fires. The land's sharp features seemed to be the century's corpse outlent, his crypt the cloudy canopy, the wind his death lament. The ancient pulse of German birth was shrunken hard and dry, and every spirit upon earth seemed fervorless as I. At once, a voice arose among the bleak twigs overhead, in a full-hearted evensong of joy illimited. An aged thrush, frail, gaunt and small, in blast-beruffled plume, had chosen thus to fling his soul upon the growing gloom. So little cause for carolings of such ecstatic sound was written on terrestrial things afar or nigh around that I could think there trembled through his happy good-night air some blessed hope whereof he knew and I was unaware. Malcolm Guite with The Thrush by Thomas Hardy, and before that we heard his own sonnet for the turning of the year. Here now we have the St Michael Singers again, it's another song appropriate for this time of year. It's Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Listen, Michael Singers, with great is thy faithfulness. But let's see what David has for us next. Richie Cole recommends a book by Buddhist monk Ruth Ozeki called A Tale for the Time Being. It's part of Pitlochry Festival Theatre's YouTube channel under the heading Light, Hope, Joy. They're trying to cheer us up in this time of lockdown and pandemic. Hello everyone, it's Richard here and I thought I'd very quickly share with you the first section of one of my favourite books of all time. It's called A Tale for the Time Being. It's by the um, novelist and filmmaker and ordained Buddhist monk, uh, Ruth Ozeki. Um, It starts with a very short poem. It goes like this. Uh, For the time being, standing on the tallest mountaintop. For the time being, moving on the deepest ocean floor. For the time being, a demon with three heads and eight arms. For the time being, the golden 16-foot body of a Buddha. For the time being, a monk's staff or a master's fly swatter. For the time being, a pillar or a lantern. For the time being, any dick or jane. For the time being, the entire earth and the boundless sky. That was by Dogen Zenji. I'm sorry about the pronunciation if it's wrong. Um, now, with this book, I was uh, in New York and I went into a bookshop and it had a table which was recommendations um, by the staff. And I saw that this book wasn't in the right place. So I bent down and I picked it up and I didn't realise that um, there was a poem at the beginning. I went straight to the first chapter and I opened it and I read this. Hi, my name is Now. And I am a time being. Do you know what a time being is? Well, if you give me a moment, I will tell you. A time being is someone who lives in time. And that means you and me and every one of us who is or was or ever will be. As for me, right now, I am sitting in a French-made cafe in Akiba Electricity Town, listening to a sad chanson that is playing sometime in your past which is also my present, writing this and wondering about you somewhere in my future. And if you're reading this, then maybe by now you're wondering about me too. You wonder about me, I wonder about you. Who are you and what are you doing? Are you in a New York subway car hanging from a strap or soaking in your hot tub in Sunnyvale? Are you sunbathing on a sandy beach or having your toenails buffed in Brighton? Are you male or female or somewhere in between? Is your girlfriend cooking you a yummy dinner or are you eating cold Chinese noodles from a box? Are you curled up with your back turned coldly towards your snoring wife? Or are you eagerly waiting for your beautiful lover to finish his bath so you can make mad, passionate love to him? Do you have a cat? And is she sitting on your lap? Does she have a forehead that smells like cedar trees and fresh, sweet air? Actually, it doesn't matter very much because by the time you read this, everything will be different and you will be nowhere in particular flipping idly through the pages of this book, which happens to be the diary of my last days on earth. Wondering if you should keep on reading? And if you decide not to read anymore, hey, no problem, because you're not the one I was waiting for anyway. But if you do decide to read on, then guess what? You're my kind of time being, and together, we'll make magic. Pitlochry Festival Theatre's Richie Cole with parts of A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Azeki. Now it's back to music, and I've chosen this one for anyone whose faith may be getting a little bit wobbly due to ongoing pandemic situation. It's Sila, a reminder that he will hold me fast. When I feel my fear 
with He Will Hold Me Fast. Well, it's time for us to have a look at the notice board. Now, you may or you may not have noticed that Heartland FM has a crowdfunding appeal on the go just now. Normally, we rely on advertisers for a substantial amount of our income. We don't get anything from the licence fee, for example. But generally, the local businesses are having a hard time with the pandemic, and that is feeding through to us. No fault of the business, or of us for that matter. But we too have fixed costs like licences to play music, rental of transmitter space and so on. And as much as 25000 is needed, though we're on our way. So we're having to ask for help. 
Uh, and this has, as I say, it's been coming in, and we're grateful. And we're grateful, too, for kind comments folk have been making about us on the internet. It would be a shame, in my opinion anyway, it would be a shame if we have to pull back or even close down our service because of COVID. Now, if you'd like to help, you can find the crowdfunding link via heartland.scot and you can also see a special edition of Iris there, the online magazine. It gives a full explanation of what's going on. You can also give via our studios at 23 Athol Road, Pitlochry. If you're writing a cheque, uh, it's Heartland Radio Foundation. That's who it should be made out to. The address is Heartland FM, 23 Athol Road, Pitlochry, and the postcode is PH165BX. So Heartland Radio Foundation for the cheque. Address Heartland FM, 23 Athol Road, Pitlochry, and the postcode is PH165BX. And many thanks to those who have already given. It's much appreciated, and many of those thanks to those still to give. Malcolm Geit has collected an anthology of poems called Waiting on the Word, which includes Ring Out Wild Bells from Tennyson's In Memoriam. Before Malcolm reads the poem, we hear it sung by folk singer Alana Lewandowski. Ring out wild bells to the wild sky The flying cloud, the frosty light The year is dying in the night Ring out wild bells and let him die Ring out the old Ring in the new Ring happy bells Across the snow The year is going Let him go Ring out the false Ring in the true Ring out the grief That saps the mind For those that hear, we see no more. Ring out the feud of rich and poor. Ring in redress to all mankind. Ring out a slowly dying cause and ancient forms. Of party strife Ring in the nobler Modes of life With sweeter manners Pure lives Ring out wild bells To the wild sky The flying cloud the frosty light The year is dying In the night Ring out wild bells And let him die Ring out the want The care, the sin The faithless coldness Of the times Ring out, ring out My mournful rhymes But ring the fuller Minstrel in Ring out false pride In place and blood The civic slander And the spite Ring in the love of truth and right ring in the common love of good ring 
chosen for New Year's Day in my anthology of poetry, Waiting on the Word, published by Canterbury Press, is uh, section 106 from Tennyson's poem In Memoriam, the great and famous passage about the bells. In Memoriam, 106. Ring out wild bells to the wild sky, the flying cloud, the frosty light. The year is dying in the night. Ring out wild bells and let him die. Ring out the old, ring in the new. Ring happy bells across the snow. The year is going, let him go. Ring out the false, ring in the true. Ring out the grief that saps the mind for those that here we see no more. Ring out the feud of rich and poor. Ring in redress to all mankind. Ring out a slowly dying cause and ancient forms of party strife. Ring in the nobler modes of life with sweeter manners, purer laws. Ring out the want, the care, the sin, the faithless coldness of the times. Ring out, ring out my mournful rhymes. But ring the fuller minstrel in. Ring out false pride in place and blood, the civic slander and the spite. Ring in the love of truth and right. Ring in the common love of good. Ring out old shapes of foul disease. Ring out the narrowing lust of gold. Ring out the thousand wars of old. Ring in the thousand years of peace. Ring in the valiant man and free, the larger heart, the kindlier hand. Ring out the darkness of the land. Ring in the Christ that is to be. Tennyson's poem Wild Bells, a song by Alana Lewandowski, then read by Malcolm Gite. Here now is a song inspired by the visit of the wise men to see the humble king. A baby king born to ordinary folk, not to royalty. It's Brenton Brown with his song, The Humble King. Feet. 
star that guides me to the humble heart of love I see in you. That was Brenton Brown with his song, The Humble King. But let's get back to David. Larry Gentis lives in Kirk Michael and goes to Pitlochry Baptist Church. Larry imagines what it would be like being one of the kings, travelling to worship the Messiah. Ooh, there it is again. Now, I don't know my stars the way the sea captains do, but I know them well enough to see when there's one star that was never there before. We know that such a star would come one day and announce the coming of God's king on earth, called the Messiah or Savior, but I never expected to see it in my time. You see, there's only two kinds of stars, those that move quickly across the horizon, we call them shooting stars, and those that move slowly across the night sky, so slowly that you don't even see them coming. Oh, forgive me, here I am rattling on. I haven't even introduced myself. I'm one of the three kings from quite a way east of Jerusalem, and we're traveling together, following this star that seems to move with us as we ride on our camels. We're not like most kings, because we always get on quite well together. Many of our contemporaries spend a lot of time fighting amongst themselves. It's just that we all three have good kingdoms, plentiful land and crops, a good chain of command, which has left us free to make this journey. So part of the reason for that is we're not greedy. None of us feel the need to plunder other kingdoms. We don't even like to think of ourselves as kings. More like seekers, or as you say, maybe scientists. So, there we were, traveling together to find another king, the one prophesied about for centuries. We brought with us rich gifts, fit for royalty. I brought gold, the others brought myrrh and frankincense. After all, you don't go to a king empty-handed, do you? In Jerusalem, there's a ruler over the Jews named Herod. I hope I'm not confusing you with all these kings. That already makes the fifth one in our story. Anyway, he was a pompous man by all accounts, and we'd hoped to avoid seeing him. It wasn't to be. Herod had heard that we were following the star, called us in to ask about our business. Although we'd traveled a long way, the land was not anonymous so that our journey had gone unnoticed but what well, really we had no reason to hide our intention so we told him of the prophecy of the coming messiah you know from the book of micah the prophet and even moses told of a king who was going to appear and a star was going to be the sign of his coming well this meeting with king herod wasn't a very relaxed interview more like an interrogation he seemed extraordinarily alert to every detail of our travels he wanted to know which scriptures foretold this king's coming, where he was supposed to appear, what time he was to be born, and really, anything pertaining to him. He ordered us to inform him where the child was and how to find him, so that he also could go and worship this new king. <laughs> Funny thing is, I had a hard time imagining King Herod worshipping anyone except himself, but that's another matter altogether. Maybe he had another motive. However, he's a king, to be obeyed, especially in his own precinct. Already, though, the question started to creep into my thoughts. What happens if it's a decision between obeying one king or, or another? Hmm. So, but anyway, on our way we went, following the star that moved as we did, pointing us in the direction of the birth of this new king. I was confused because the direction the star was taking us was further and further out in the wilderness. 
There were certainly no palaces where we were being led, and I couldn't imagine a king being born here. Finally, we arrived at the place where the star stopped and shined a beam of light on, of all places, a stable, complete with cattle and sheep. When we went inside, the animals were happily chewing hay, but one trough was cleared and no beast was before it. Someone else was. A baby boy lay in a nest of fresh hay, surrounded by his mother, father, and a group of wide-eyed shepherds admiring the newborn. So, this was the king the star led us to, without even a proper room to begin his royal life, with cattle and sheep all around. What sort of king was this? However, we knew that God had directed us to this place, so we asked permission of the parents to pay our respects and present our gifts to the baby. Strangely enough, the parents didn't seem the least surprised to see three obviously high-born men bringing gold, myrrh, and frankincense to honor their child, even though they were obviously of humble parentage. They were, how should I say, grateful? But the gifts in our presence were received as if these things were natural occurrences. Then, surprisingly, we did something we would never do for anyone else. We worshipped the child. I can't explain it. Normally, we would never worship another human being. We know the law, but it was exactly the proper thing to do. Before we set out for home, after giving our gifts and worshipping him, we fell into a deep sleep. <laughs> it seems the rigors of our traveling had finally caught up with us. Strange thing is... All three of us had exactly the same dream in detail. God himself telling us not to inform Herod, but to return to our palaces by another road, to avoid telling him of this newborn king. So, the choice was clear. Either obey King Herod or God. We knew we'd made the right choice, but what will yours be? This comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 1 to 12, in references to Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, and Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17. Larry Gentis there, imagining himself to be one of the wise men. Here's Ella Fitzgerald. It's a song for the coming months and year, I guess. It's an old one. It is, God Will Take Care of You. God will take care of
Gerald and God will take care of you. And that's it for the first Heart and Soul of 2021. Thank you for listening. Our thanks too to Larry Gentis, Malcolm Guite, Richie Cole and Ginny Wilkie for their contributions this morning and to Sam Ross for pulling it all together for us. We'll leave you with Gaither's homecoming friends and I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. Jesus said